0: please pray with me great are you lord and most worthy of praise you are to be feared above all gods the gods of other nations are mere idols but you you O oh lord you made the heavens honor and majesty surround you strength and beauty fill your sanctuary O oh god may we recognize you as the glorious all-powerful all-sufficient and sovereign lord Holy Spirit, help us to give Him all the glory He deserves. Give us the desire to not only hear Your Word, but to do what it says. Teach us now, Holy Spirit, as we enter the story of Joshua, to trust You and obey You wholeheartedly all the days of our lives. Open our heart eyes to see Your truth. Sanctify us through and through until we look just like your Son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name that I pray. Amen. Have you ever been shaken by a loss so great that you cannot imagine what life will look like moving forward? Bone-rattling, soul-shaking losses, they leave us questioning what life will look like moving forward. On September the 8th, the United Kingdom experienced such a loss when Queen Elizabeth II died after an amazing 70-year reign. Most Brits cannot remember life without her on the throne, and they cannot imagine what the monarchy will look like now that she is gone. The Israelites felt the same way when their leader Moses died. He was God's chosen leader who served God for at least 40 of his 120 years of life moses's presence dominates four of the five books of the pentateuch exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy yet in joshua chapter 1 verse 2 god simply says moses my servant is dead stop and ponder the statement if we pull back the curtain to peek at its spiritual reality, Moses is more alive than ever. He is eternally at home with the great I am. Yahweh, the sovereign Lord who revealed his holy name to Moses saying, I am who I am. Yahweh, the sovereign Lord who spoke to Moses in such intimate terms that Exodus thirty-three eleven says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend moses the highly favored servant of the lord is no longer walking this earth but is eternally walking the streets of gold in heaven the same is true for god's child queen elizabeth ii but how do those they left behind move forward in the absence of their extraordinarily long And faithful leadership the British monarchy has a succession plan in place the moment Queen Elizabeth died her son Charles became king in the same way Christians look to God and his sovereign succession plan he is El Shaddai the all-sufficient God he always has a succession plan in place For his leaders because he must remain faithful to all his covenant promises an understanding of the sovereignty of god is critical queen elizabeth ii was referred to as sovereign but humans cannot truly be sovereign there is too much that we cannot control to say that god is sovereign means he is in control of his universe and that he determines the outcome of all things according to his own wise purpose. He has absolute authority and rule over his creation. He guides and controls all events to do what his infinite love deems best. The truth about God is that He is sovereign, and His sovereignty guarantees His faithfulness to fulfill His covenant promises. The truth revealed in Joshua chapter 1 is that God's sovereignty guarantees His faithfulness. We will examine this truth in two divisions, Joshua's commission and Joshua's command. Our first division is Joshua's commission, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. If you'll open your Bibles, you can follow along with me. Verses 1 through 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. The book of Joshua opens, with Israel turning a new page in history. The era of Moses ended when Moses died. And twice in these two verses, Moses is referred to as the servant of the Lord. This is a unique title of honor, which highlights Moses' special role in accomplishing God's sovereign purposes. The title is also used of Abraham and will be used of Joshua when he dies. All three men, Abraham, Moses, and Joshua, show us what it means to be a servant of the Lord. Though far from perfect, Scripture shows all three men striving to walk in obedience to God's commands. They trusted God, and they trusted His covenant promises. They believed God even when He commanded them to do what was humanly impossible. They acted in God's strength, with God's courage, as they faithfully served their faithful God until their dying breath. Moses' death also marked the end of God's 40-year judgment against the Israelites. But who would lead them now? God's sovereignty guarantees his faithfulness, not human leaders' And he exercises his sovereign power by calling Joshua as Israel's next leader. He was intimately involved in choosing and commissioning Joshua to take Moses' place. Joshua had very big shoes to fill. God made sure that the people knew that he himself had commissioned Joshua so that they would respect and obey him as their new leader, just as they had Moses. God's sovereign succession plan was in place so that he remained faithful to his covenant promises, no matter the human leader. He is the one who speaks in verses 2 through 9. He commissions Joshua and he sends him out saying, Arise, go, now, you and all this people. The time had finally come to lay claim to the land God promised to give Abraham some 400 years prior. And now it was urgent. Go now. The promised land was given to all Israel, a nation in covenant with the Lord God Almighty. And the Lord outlines the land promised to Moses in verses three through four. He says, I have. Note that that's past tense. It's a done deal. An absolute certainty because the sovereignty of God guarantees his faithfulness before Israel even started to go into Canaan and take possession of the land, God says, I have given you every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun. A land far greater than that which Israel took possession is described here. It is, in fact, the land later possessed by Israel under the reigns of Kings David and Solomon, though even they failed to possess the land completely. The rest of the Old Testament attests to a twofold reason for their failure unbelief and disobedience. What would Israel look like today? if they had wholeheartedly believed and obeyed God commentator David Ogendy says that the promised land would cover modern Israel the whole of Jordan a large part of Saudi Arabia half of Iraq the whole of Lebanon part of Syria and the whole of Kuwait the fulfillment of God's promise to give his people this land is a promise still held in the future. This is the almost not yet tension of the biblical fulfillment of God's promises or prophecies contained in the Bible. Ultimately, Jesus Christ is in view. He delivers the fullest fulfillment of every single one of God's covenant promises. In verses five through nine, God makes promises to Joshua as an individual Since he will be Moses' successor. This passage begins and ends with God's promise to be with him. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Then verse 9 have i not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the lord your god is with you wherever you go god's divine presence with joshua was not some nebulous concept or mystical experience it is the presence of god to fulfill his promises god is still present with his people He is Emmanuel, the God who is with us, for us, and in us. Through him, the words God spoke to Joshua apply to believers today. God will never leave us or forsake us. He is with us wherever we go. Every believer is a Bethlehem, the dwelling place of the Lord God Almighty. He is our strength. And our courage just as he was with Joshua three times in these verses God commands Joshua to be strong and courageous first in verse 6 he says be strong and courageous for you shall inherit cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them the Israelites confidence was based on the covenant promises God swore to their fathers. In verse 6, God reiterates that Joshua is his choice to lead his people into the land he promised them. Joshua will cause this people to inherit the land. This was no easy task. It would require God-given strength and courage. It would require full obedience to God's law. Listen carefully to how he says Joshua is to walk in obedience to his law. Verses 7 through 8. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. God's word is of utmost importance. What a lesson for you and me. Commentator Dale Davis says that God does not withhold the formula that leads to such obedience. He says, you shall meditate or literally mutter over this Torah document day and night so that you will be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Careful, constant absorbing of the word of God leads to obedience to it lack of study results in lack of obedience joshua is told that strength and courage are directly dependent on careful detailed obedience to the written word of god this formula for obedience applies to all god's people God's word should be our delight. You and I must live rooted in God's word if we are to live a life that is pleasing to God. How central is God's word in your life? And what difference does it make? Strength and courage are the fruit of obedience to God's commands. Martyred pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, if you reject God's commanding word you will not receive God's gracious word. You and I, we must know God's word and we must obey God's word. Then, as verse 8 says, we will be prosperous and have good success. This is not a name it and claim it prosperity gospel statement. God does not define the word success like the world defines success. God's promised success is connected to God's covenant promises. And God's promised success does not guarantee a trouble-free life. His focus is more on our eternal reward than our earthly success. God's promised success is also not a reward or something we earn because of our obedience. The promise of success was made long before the people had done anything to earn or deserve it. It is a gift of God's grace. The ESV Study Bible says it's more accurate to say that the promised success can be forfeited by disobedience rather than earned by obedience. However, when we walk in obedience to God's commands, it includes his command to be strong and courageous it includes his command to eradicate fear and anxiety by relying on his sovereign power and his indwelling presence absorb and apply verse 9 to your current trials and troubles It says, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. All God's instruction in verses six through nine hinges on the last statement that the Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. He is our source of strength and courage. He is the reason we need not be frightened or dismayed. And we experience his presence with us by walking in obedience to his revealed will in his word. This is how we abide in Christ. And we must abide in Christ because apart from him, we can do nothing. God gives you and me his strength and courage to equip us to trust him and obey his word. So our first truth is that God-given strength and courage equips believers to trust and obey his word. How does God's promise that he will never leave you or forsake you help you to trust him more? Which of God's glorious covenant promises have helped you endure when life frightens or dismays you? How are you moving forward in obedience to God's word? Joshua was commanded to lead Israel into Canaan and claim the promised land in the sovereign power of God. Jesus commands you and me to go into all the world, making disciples and teaching the nations not to depart from the word of God. We do so in the sovereign power of God. God was with Joshua. The greater Joshua, Jesus Christ, is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us. He assures us of this in Matthew 28, 20, where he says, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As we begin this Bible study, I challenge you to pray the words of Joshua 1, 9 every day. Pray, O Sovereign Lord, you command me to be strong and courageous. You command me not to be frightened. Or dismayed I know that I cannot do this apart from you oh God you have declared that you are with me wherever I go you sovereignly reign over everything that happens or does not happen and you promise to never leave me or forsake me you are the all-sufficient God I want to walk in complete obedience to your will i want to live to the praise of your glory this day and every day pray this prayer daily then choose to trust god and obey god the strength and courage he gives believers equips them to trust and obey his word this is what god taught joshua as the assumed command of israel's march into the promised land so our second division is joshua's command joshua chapter 1 verses 10 through 18 verses 10 through 11 and joshua commanded the officers of the people pass through the midst of the camp and command the people prepare your provisions for within three days you were to pass over this jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Israel was finally commanded to move into Canaan, the land of God's promised rest. Imagine their excitement, finally, rest. But that rest would be hard won Joshua's command to prepare to go in and take possession of the land marked the beginning of years of fierce fighting. To fully possess their inheritance, the Israelites needed to cross the Jordan River, which was at that time overflowing its banks. They needed to capture fortified, well-protected Canaanite cities and conquer the powerful Canaanites. Joshua needed to move forward in faith with the assurance that God's sovereignty guarantees his faithfulness. Genuine faith responds to God's promises by taking action. God promised that he himself would drive out their enemies out of the land he was giving them. However, this would not be an overnight success. In Exodus chapter 23, verses 29 through 30, he told them, I will not drive them out before you in a single year so that the land does not become desolate due to lack of attention and the wild animals of the field do not become too numerous for you. I will drive them out before you little by little until you have increased and are strong enough to take possession of the land. God trained and equipped Israel during her 40-year stay in the wilderness. Now, in his divine wisdom, he would train his covenant people to fully rely on his sovereign power through years of perseverance in the face of suffering and difficulty. With the enemy looming large and fear threatening to make them run the other way, they needed to rely on God's faithfulness to fulfill his promises. Joshua's very name was a reminder to do so. In Numbers chapter 13, when Moses sent spies to explore the land of promise, one of those spies was Hosea, which means salvation. Moses changed his name to Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. In Deuteronomy 34, 9, we read that Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. Joshua, given a name which celebrates God's plan to save sinners, is entrusted with leading God's people into the promised land of rest. Joshua prefigures the one to come who would also be named Yahweh saves. His name is Jesus. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, a young woman named Mary is told that she will have a son, and she is to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Author Nancy Guthrie connects Joshua to Jesus, writing, Jesus, the greater Joshua, initiated his work of salvation in much the same way as the first Joshua by crossing over the Jordan River through his baptism by John. God promised Joshua, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I promised Moses. This promise was not solely for Joshua but for all God's people. Jesus is the greater Joshua that promises were given to not for the sake of himself alone, but so that all who are in him might possess the earth and be granted all the promises of God. Joshua promised to perform his salvation and take the people of Israel into their land within the space of three days. Likewise, the greater Joshua accomplished our salvation when he suffered, died, and rose again in three days. Like Jesus, Joshua needed to trust in the sovereignty of God. His sovereignty guarantees his faithfulness. This trust would fuel his obedience to all God's commands. The Israelites could never occupy the promised land in their own strength. The sovereign Lord must deliver the land to them. He promised to be with Joshua, to give him strength and courage and never leave him or forsake him. Likewise, his sovereignty guaranteed his faithfulness to give Israel the victory over every enemy they encountered. A small payment on this victory had already been made. Verses 12 through 15 says, And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan. Toward the sunrise. Of this passage, Charles Spurgeon comments that kindred has its obligations. The Reubenites and Gadites would have been unbrotherly if they had claimed the land which had been conquered and had left the rest of the people to fight for their portions alone. We have received much by means of the efforts and sufferings of the saints in years gone by. And if we do not make some return to the Church of Christ by giving her our best energies, we are unworthy to be enrolled in her ranks. It is a cowardly pride which would choose a downy pillow and a silken couch for a soldier of the cross. God fully expected these two-and-a-half tribes, to participate in conquering the entire promised land. In the excitement of the moment, the Israelites offered their wholehearted agreement. Verses 16-18, through And they answered Joshua, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Israel's agreement to follow Joshua's command reveal how God had already begun to fulfill his promises to Joshua we can see how his sovereignty guarantees his faithfulness. You see, there's no opposition to Joshua's leadership. Commentator David Jackman says that there is not a whiff of resentment at the transfer of leadership. Not only do they affirm their unquestioning loyalty to Joshua as the new leader, they even agree that whoever rebels against his commands will be put to death. Their willingness to follow Joshua depended on two conditions, that the Lord God be with him and that he be strong and courageous. Both conditions required faith in the express promises of God and Joshua's commitment to do everything God commanded in his word. God himself would then guarantee their success by equipping Joshua with his strength and courage. This is true for every believer. Our second truth is that God-given strength and courage equips believers to successfully fight spiritual battles. In which area of your life are you still refusing to obey God's word? How might that refusal affect your success in fighting spiritual battles against the world? your flesh and the devil how is your failure to successfully fight those battles keeping you from fully possessing all god has given you david jackman again writes like israel all believers are in a battle to fully possess all that god has given us We, too, have not reached the fullness of rest in the heavenly kingdom. But we are set free to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and so enter into more and more of the blessings of the everlasting gospel. We, too, have life-changing lessons to learn about the priorities of faith and obedience. Spiritual Battles In the life of a believer are ongoing, lifelong battles between the flesh and the spirit. Believers must persevere to truly take possession of all God's promises. We need God's all-sufficient strength and courage to obey him and to, to successfully fight such battles. A.W. Pink notes that if I turn my eyes from my all-sufficient Savior and am occupied with the winds and waves of my circumstances, then like Peter of old, I shall begin to sink. If I do not make it my daily and diligent business to resist the workings of unbelief in my heart and cry out to Christ for strength to enable me to do so, then faith will surely suffer an eclipse, and the fault will be entirely my own. If I neglect feeding upon the words of faith and good doctrine, then my faith will necessarily be weak and languishing. Truly, we need God-given strength and courage to equip us to successfully fight spiritual battles. Which bone-rattling, soul-shaking losses have you questioning what life will look like moving forward? According to Deuteronomy 34, 7, Moses is 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. Moses did not die of old age like Queen Elizabeth did. He had been supernaturally strengthened and protected from the effects of aging until God had completed what he had planned for Moses. God used Moses to deliver the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, record God's law, and deliver the Israelites to the border of the promised land. His life is a perfect example of a follower of God being indestructible until God's plan for him or her is completed. The same is true of Queen Elizabeth II. She lived until the ripe old age of 96 and did not stop serving God by serving her country until God's plan for her was completed. As the United Kingdom and the world watch to see what King Charles III does as the reigning monarch or sovereign, All who belong to the kingdom of God. Rest assured that God's sovereignty guarantees his faithfulness. He can and he will fully fulfill every one of his covenant promises. Therefore, our bones need not rattle and our souls need not shake. Christian, be strong and courageous. Trust God. Obey his word. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Does your life reflect that you believe this is true? Choose to trust God and walk in obedience to his word. I'll close with the words of commentator Dale Davis. He notes, Moses has died, but Yahweh has not left Israel or us orphans, we still have God's promise, God's presence, God's word, and God's people. And that should be enough until the kingdom of God comes in power and great glory. Please pray with me. O oh, sovereign and all sufficient God, else you die. You are enough. You are the unchanging, all-powerful, and faithful God. We can trust you to guide and orchestrate all events for our good and your glory. Strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit to fully depend on your word to lead us and to live lives of faith and obedience. Give us courage for the future we cannot see or the present circumstances we do not understand. Help us to so believe in God's covenant promises that we move forward with the great confidence that is ours in Christ Jesus. It is in His name that I pray. Amen.